Hello there, and welcome to Pink Milk After Dark, your late night live stream where we talk Star Wars queerly. I am your host, Brian. With me, as always, are my better hosts, Emma. Hi. And Mark. Okie day. Oh, we are about <laughs> to talk some Phantom Menace. Are we all ready? Yeah. Let's yeah, do we- it. Drink up. Hope it worked. I said your name three times on Twitter, and you're here. <laughs> we missed you, dear. Hello, sleeping kitten. Hello, Chase. Chase, great job today with Elena. That was fantastic. I made it to Ch- to Chase's chat today. Took nice. my lunch break and watched some gay Jedi. It was great. All right. Hello, Luke. Hello, Alex. Hello, hello, hello. Well, hello, Gabe. Uh, last week, we had such a wonderful time with our dear friend, Ben. He's back! He has returned! (laughs) Somehow, somehow Ben has returned. (laughs) Dark magic, Sith magic, I don't know what it was. Floating, science, Dominic Monaghan. And if you're wondering, like, well, that doesn't seem like it makes any sense. It doesn't have to go with any of the preconceived story beforehand. It doesn't. Because it happened somehow. It's, this is probably like Ewokanese. Is it Ewokanese? I don't know Ewokanese. Ewokanese, yeah. Ewokanese. Ewok, there we go. Yeah, this is some dark kink magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could even say, I'm a little kinky. I wouldn't use that joke. We can cut that. No, no. Uh, you're talking to a dad chock full of dad jokes, so I'm a little kinky. It's going to be perfectly fine. I love it. <laughs> Hello, Star Wars Prophet. I'm very excited. Uh, everyone look out for them. Look out for them. Right. Hello, Hannah. You made it. Welcome. That means your recording is finished, and I hope it went well. Hello, hello. How's everyone's weeks? Em's got a new blue headset. <laughs> it's my wife's headset because mine inexplicably broke. I it's have no idea cute how. Color though it looks good on you. I like really? it. Oh, yeah. so I don't. I don't have to replace my old one. I can just keep using this one. Yeah, that's how yeah. I don't know. Work, right? I feel like I feel like it's gonna like clash with my looks, with my looks. <laughs> with your looks, and we are <laughs> we are talking the Phantom Menace tonight, everyone. And Padme is serving some looks. So what a perfect, what a perfect like exp- uh, word to use today. What a perfect word. Ah. Ben, how was your week? It was seven days long, and now we're here. <laughs> was this not the longest week ever? Monday night, no, Tuesday yeah. night, my son was in bed, and he likes to stay up till the wee hours of the evening. And so I had to go, I'm like, hey, dude, it's like, it's time for bed. Like, you got to go to bed. And he's like, Dad, I really don't want to. I'm like, but you have one more night. It's all good because they only go to school Monday through Thursday. And then he woke up and it was dinner time the next day. I was like, oh my God, it's only Wednesday. <laughs> you have one more day of school. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I was confused, Dad. I was confused. 
So I think it's been that way for everybody all along the way. How about you? How is everyone in the chat this evening? How is everyone in the chat? We do have Hannah and Hope. I think it's going to get steamy because we, one, we're talking Darth Maul for, for Hannah. That's going to get her steamy. We have Obi-Wan Kenobi thirst for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I reached out to uh, our friend Alice from Force Toast because she is like in, in, obsessed and in love with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And her response was the high kicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. We're going to start jumping into this. So it's 1999. Where were we when we saw this film? The Phantom Menace. The hype was so real. I posted a picture. Of, does, does it, did everyone see that picture I posted of George in the desert with, yeah. with his camera? I'm like, I remember that so well. I think it was 1997 that uh, Lucasfilm Magazine or Star Wars Magazine, whatever, whatever it was called at that point in time, had released the cast list. And it was just the hype was real. So where were we in 1999? Mark or Ben, we're going to start with you. You're a oh. guest. Okay, well, because I'm so young and so supple, I was only nine <laughs> at the time. Um, so I got taken to go see a new Star Wars, and I was having a great time with it. The only reason I knew it was coming was because of an issue of Highlights Magazine. Again, I'm going to show that I was nine years old, <laughs> where they were showing the Star Wars Smithsonian exhibit. And then at the very end, they're like, and then also they're doing these new movies, and then there's going to be young Anakin Skywalker. And I'm sitting there like, wait, what? In a dentist's office about to have a full meltdown. So I was, I was more excited than any human being should have been to see this movie. I forget, because you had seen the original trilogy already, right? So you mm -hmm. knew what Star Wars was? Okay. That's right. And Star Wars Prophet, welcome. Also, if you couldn't drive, actually, Ben couldn't either. Actually, all of you just leave. Just leave. Because <laughs> <laughs> now I'm feeling very old. Ah, Emma, how about you? Where were you in 1999 before The Phantom Menace? So where were you in your Star Wars journey? Because we've had these discussions before. The sequel trilogy came and something that had always been there awoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was what got me really active in fandom. But like, I've always loved Star Wars. Like, I've always been down for more Star Wars. Okay. My whole life from the beginning. But yeah, like sequel, the or the the prequel trilogy uh, came out when I was 19 years old. I was in my last year of high school. I know Tiny Little Chase was four. <laughs> we have so many fetuses around here. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were oh you graduated high school in 1999? I sure did. Oh, Okay. So yeah, and yeah, it was, it was May of 1999, and yeah, I was 19. I was just about to graduate high school, and I was excited for more Star Wars. I'm here. I'm here. Mark, how about you? So I would have been some somewhere in my mid to late 20s, I guess. But yeah. whatever. Don't hold it against me. Um, <laughs> no, Mark. No, Mark. We will not hold their youth and inexperience against them. Okay, there we go. But um, I was more than I was working at Suncoast, so we had access to all like the collectibles and everything that was coming out. I mean, my paycheck was going to all the Star Wars stuff that we were getting in. And if you remember then, I mean, the merch was just falling out of the aisles, right? Mm -hmm. You could go to Midnight, what, is, what was it called? Midnight Madness, the, the Toys R Us thing as well too, and get every conceivable toy yep. you could get from the universe that they were releasing at the time. So, yeah, it was it was such a great time because 
coming out the hype machine that was the special editions, mm-hmm. you know, and then going right into this. I mean, it's just everybody was just primed for it. I remember going to see it at the big Dome Century Theaters here in San Jose, which is where everybody remembers going to see their Star Wars films around here. Right. And it was beautiful screens, amazing sound. And it was always a huge crowd there. Right. And yeah. so I remember the night we camped out the night before to see Phantom Menace, and it was like geek Woodstock out there. It's like there were just lines and lines of people waiting to see this, and there was a big screen playing the original trilogy there. And if you could Aww. sleep, you know, good for you, but not many of us did, and we were a hot mess the next day, but we were seeing a new Star Wars, and that's all we needed. <laughs> that's awesome. This was the last movie that I think I sat in line for like 12 hours for. I texted my buddy who he and I used to be toy hunter collector buddies together. Mm -hmm. Like when I was in high school and, and we've remained like text message friends. We don't, I I think I saw him again uh, in probably 2009 when I brought up that I went to see the, the Savage Opress Clone Wars episode in a movie theater. And I went with him or I, I, I met him there. So that was like the, I think that's the last time I've ever seen him in IRL. Uh but um he and I were there so I texted him today cuz this always makes me think of him like 12 hours in line. It was like bonkers. It was so much fun. It was all the dressing up. It was all the things that, you know, Star Wars nerds were made fun of for. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because people didn't know what they were missing out on. And I do I have to like I kind of miss those days cuz now, you know, it's assigned seating in movie theaters and well, we don't go to movie theaters anymore either. <laughs> but, What's a movie theater? <laughs> yeah, what, like, what are those? Um, but the, I just, the energy and the excitement. Yeah, the Midnight Madness at, at, at uh, Toys R Us, I was there. I think I got a, uh, what's his name? Rick. Um, Rick, Rick Oley. Oley. Yeah, yeah, that was the toy I got. Yep, I was <laughs> left with that one. <laughs> but I had it. I don't have it anymore. But, um. It was like I remember. I remember searching store after store for a Darth Maul. I never have found the Darth Maul, but I ended up with the Darth Maul that came with the speeder bike. Oh yeah! But I don't yeah. think his cloak came off, or there was something lame about that figure. I don't remember. But that was a. Uh, it was exciting. What were? Hello, Brandon. Hello, Ewok. Ben, look at that! You brought another Ewok. I did. I bring Ewok. them out. <laughs> We haven't seen you in a minute, Brandon. I hope everything is going fantastic. Um, so this movie causes quite the controversy. Maybe less now, but back then, I just remember the news for like a week, playing interviews with the people waiting in line. And then we can all watch those YouTube videos now of the exit pe- of the mm-hmm. people exiting the theater. So, Mark, what was your first reaction after seeing this movie. So there's a lot of excitement. There was a mm-hmm. lot of things I loved about this film, you know, um, the duel of the fates, of course, the pod racing, that was all great. Parts of it are a little boring, you know, and then there are other parts that are cringy. And even though I may love the actors behind them, it doesn't mean it still doesn't make me cringe, <laughs> but overall looking back at the nostalgia of this era is what I love overall, just the feeling of excitement how you felt going to see this film mm-hmm. and just the hype all around it. I mean, it was just, it's one of the best times in like the, in our star Wars timeline, I should say as, as a fan. Right. Yep. So, um, I love that, that, that era. Yeah. 
You know, it is interesting because I think maybe, Ben, you can speak to this because you were younger. Like, I'm not sure The Force Awakens was something crazy, too. But I don't Mm. know if there was anything like The Phantom Menace coming out. Like, that was just like (laughs) there were not movies coming out all the time yet. It was just times were very, very different. There was no Internet. So, you know, things couldn't be as spoiled as easily, even though we will talk about the spoiler at the end of this movie later in this. If anybody else was spoiled. Um but it was all it was such it was such a, a traditional marketing campaign around this. You know, there mm-hmm. wasn't the same culture that's around now. Um, and now I completely lost my train of thought. But <laughs> how is this for you being younger, Ben? Oh, because, so this this was magic. Because yeah. obviously I wasn't around for the original releases, right? So Star mm-hmm. Wars for me was always a thing that existed on a VHS tape. Uh, and then suddenly the whole world went Star Wars because that the marketing push out for that movie is basically unprecedented. Yep. Uh, someone in the chat just mentioned that it was that KFC, Taco Bell. Uh, who else was it? What was the other third one? It was like that Pizza triple Hut. Pizza Hut. Yeah, that yeah. promotion seemed like it was just mm-hmm. genuine magic to a kid. You're like, everything is Star Wars. Everything yep. will be Star Wars forever. This is the new life <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Is that the, the, the campaign that had Marvel oh, up in yeah. it? The little creature Marfalump, because I can't remember if it was for this movie or Attack of the Clones, but there was a little creature that they uh-huh. made for the commercials, and the the, the creature's name was called Marfalump. So <laughs> it may have been Attack of the Clones. Okay, but uh, I just remember yeah. all the different cups that you could get by going to specific mm-hmm. restaurants that were planet themed, and yeah. all I wanted to do was like figure out what these planets were because I knew Tatooine, right? But then there were two new ones that no one had ever heard of because you know I'm nine, I hadn't read Legends, I didn't know Coruscant was a thing. And mm-hmm. Naboo, like that seemed like the prettiest place in the whole world. Yeah, it still does. <laughs> I just looked it up. Yes, Marfalump was for the campaign for this. By the way, I'm gonna okay. need yeah. a photo. Like, you need yes. to tweet that out. Yes, yes we, will. We, because... will. we will. I will tweet. I will. I will bring okay. Marfalump magic. Okay, so <laughs> I'm glad Mark, I brought it up. So <laughs> Mark has be- become our regular, our real life Google. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. Oh my god! But I love what a hideous little creature. This is going to oh. be my celebration cosplay. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that you said magic, Ben, because uh, Star Wars Prophet in here said the same thing. Jack, I don't know where he stands now, but this was his favorite Star Wars movie of all of them. Like, there is something I still find magic in this movie. I found magic in this movie when I went and saw it the first time, I would say, and I stand by this, I think the first like 10 minutes of this movie are really pretty boring. Actually, and it's not my favorite. Um, I think once you see Queen Amidala pop up on that, like magic mirror, mirror on the wall, magic thing (laughs) is rad like that. I just remember going, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like that. (laughs) She just popped on to say, I'm the first one of all bitch. And then she left. (laughs) That's in my show notes. This girl knows how to clap back in this movie. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I remember being like really into it. Like, like I, like I said, I think the first 10 minutes is like not good and it's still not good. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's not horrible, but it's kind of a sneeze fest, but I think this movie is so great. I've, I don't see 
I see plenty of the original like charm of the hu- like the humor. It's a little different, I guess, but like I love the scene when Jar Jar we first meet him and he just like hops on Qui Gon's belly, and, like falls down. Like I just think it's so like it's perfect. Like I, I'm a, I'm just not cool. I think everything about me is like just not cool. Like Jar Jar Pinks, my favorite character. Like right away, I was just like I love this dude, and and I was watching it today. And I, we get to that scene when they all go into, we're jumping all over the place, whatever. But <laughs> they go into Anakin's house, and everyone just like looks around. And you know what Jar Jar says? Oh, oh, I don't. Oh man, I lost my quote. This is charming, or something oh, like that. He's like, like this isn't comfy. Like I can't yeah, believe I remember that line, but that's there it. There we go. I have it in my show notes. But there you go. <laughs> this is comfy. I'm like, wait, the world is going to attack this person who walks into some little kid's house who has nothing, and he's like, "This is a really beautiful little home," and we're going to knock on that dude like this gigantic open heart of sunshine, and we're going to trash on his parade. Huh? Probably will later in the show. Yes, yes, I will. No, oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> now with M, I was on Living Force on Monday, and I got kicked out of the room. I now know how you feel when I've kicked you out before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's what that tweet was about. Okay. <laughs> now You're I like, get it. Come on. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> so, M, how about you? How did you feel about this when you first left? When I first saw it, yeah, I was like, this is boring as fuck. <laughs> 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 that should have been the pull quote for the movie, by the way. <laughs> and I was devastated. Mm-hmm. Gone died. Like, completely shattered. Okay. We're, I'm going to use that as a segue. Was anyone shocked by this? Did anyone else have this ruined for them? I did. I had the soundtrack. Yep. Oh, yeah. I was like, just, I was so mad. One of the biggest <laughs> marketing blunders, right? Like, it can't, it, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I think it was only Best Buy that got it early, right? Something happened and it was released early. Yeah. And, and so, wherever I, I got it from, yeah. yeah, it arrived. I looked on the back and I was like, there it was. <laughs> uh, across the room it went. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I would imagine, Em, if you didn't know that was coming, like, that is, like, that was our front and center character. And the only, like, kind of semi-redeemable thing, even though I was watching it back, I'm like, that dude's such a douchebag to Shmi. Like, oh, you're a jerk, too. You're, like, the best of the Jedi, I think, but you're still a douchebag. <laughs> I don't think I like you very much. But I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure no, it out. No, I I just watched it and I didn't get that impression. But maybe I just have a different take. <laughs> I, I imagine it has to do with like you thinking it's harsh and saying I'm not here to rescue slaves or free yes! slaves. Well, that yeah. kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I was like, I knew what he's getting at because he's there to not get involved. And I get it. Yeah. You're supposed to keep a certain distance. But <gasps> you're talking about this person's life, right? This is like you know, they it's it's a little harsh. It is harsh. Yeah. I I get it. I get it. <laughs> yep. Hi Keith. Hi Joey. Hi Reese. Hi Crystal. But you know what, Mark? I think it's probably because Brian is so anti-Trek, so he doesn't understand the Prime Directive. Oh. <laughs> like, you can't just like you can't just like drop onto a planet and like mess with like their entire social hierarchy and economic mm. system. I love you, Em. <laughs> 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 no, but they can just go drop on entire planets, kill half the population, then bounce and go clean up the mess. 
<laughs> That's what they can do. Ah, Mama Martez, I feel for you. I feel for you. And Luminar, you had everything coming that you got in Rebels. Everything. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, so, what was your like favorite memory around the opening of this film? Was there something that stood out to you? Ben kind of spoke to the to the the fast food prizes and the cops, so that was pretty cool, right? Was this the same movie? This had all the Pepsi cans too, right? Or was mm-hmm. that clones? No, it was it was okay. Phantom. Yeah, they, it so wasn't I, just Pepsi. It was like Mountain Dew, okay, Diet yep. Coke. It was everything. Well, I I. I am a fan of Mountain Dew, like the white trashiest soda of all soda. I am here for it. Hey, I used to love Mountain Dew, okay? <laughs> Actually, I, I think around this time I was big on Mountain Dew, to be honest. Well, you I were the perfect it. age for it, to be yeah. fair. I will still drink it. I put on my America hat and throw back some Mountain Dews and feel real good. Oh, sweetheart, you could just drink battery acid and get the exact same feeling. It's probably kinder on your kidneys. It might be. <laughs> oh. Also, everyone, sorry. I have not been drinking much since 2021. My plan was to not drink at all, and 2021 happened. And I am expecting a truly outrageous podcast. And oh, this cool. Is like, Good for this you. Is like, this is like my second one, so I could get a little loopy. All Just right. Right. and all like we weren't bonkers enough last week. Um, <laughs> and what was your favorite memory though, like leading up to this? Leading up to it, yeah, yeah. Just probably seeing the trailer for the first time in the theater, like in that light up dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Even with the extension cord. <laughs> Wait, what? The the extension cord is still in the shot. I'll show you later. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all the way there. It's underneath the dress, along the wall, up into the yeah. It's I'm, there. All, I, I'm at all his extensions are showing. Uh huh. <laughs> hey, you can see Shmi's hairpin. Yes, you can. The... So annoying. <laughs> oh my! I am like not the person that notices these things in movies ever. I have probably, in all honesty, mm-hmm. I think I may have seen all the prequel movies more than the original movies. Like, because when like the Phantom Menace came out on VHS, I was. 20 by the time it came out so i worked part-time that was it you know i didn't have any responsibility and all i did was watch that vhs over and over and over and over again because at that point i had been so obsessed with the original trilogy my whole life i knew it backwards and forwards and so this was still kind of new and i was just like all the time watched it all the time Oh, I love what Hope says here. I adore this movie. We had never seen the Jedi Council before, the politics, the morally gray areas, <clears throat> and there was so much so good. I, I agree. I That's what I was thinking uh, about when I was doing my rewatch. Yeah. It was like the Jedi, yeah. And I was just like, these guys, like, hate them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's weird? Yeah. I have this to movie say every- made me loathe Yoda. Like, yeah. There is. That, that's, it's so weird. that. <laughs> The last four years has changed the way I look at the things going on in this film. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. funny because I looked at it and I took more of that stuff in this time. I actually paused to think about what was going on and all the like yep. 
the deals going on and, you know, who's trying to like get more power. And, you know, this person who's like, mm-hmm. Oh, we're not trying to screw this planet over. Everything we're doing is fair and square. And it's, it, I was just sitting there looking, I was like, man, this is just, this is like real life. Maybe that's why mm-hmm. it's just like, I didn't want to take any of it in then, you know? So, yep. but yeah, I appreciate it more now. For sure. Yeah. I, it was funny. We've, t- we've heard so much about this is what star Wars looks like with, the sequel trilogy and with uh, the Mandalorian, I started. So I watched this. I watched like half of it last night before bed too. And Tom was laying there. He's like, yeah, see, this is why I didn't like this movie. This just doesn't look like star Wars. That was the, that was the thing out of his mouth. Right. And I was like, it's funny because I guess I've never, I never really thought about it that much because to me, I feel in some ways the prequel trilogy speaks to me more of a Star Wars aesthetic than even the original trilogy. And maybe it's because I'm such a Clone Wars stan that I'm just like, I've buried myself in that aesthetic. And there is differences. There's a lot of similarities, too. But like, I guess for me, like this is more Star Wars, which is one of the things that I loved about The Last Jedi, because I felt like The Last Jedi looked more like a prequel movie and acted more like a prequel movie than the original trilogy. And I remember that was my first thought when I left The Last Jedi. I was like. Ooh, I don't know if people are gonna like this. This make this makes me feel like it feels like a, a a prequel, like the coloring. But that's the other thing too. I feel like so much of the set design on the Mandalorian is very OT inspired, but the costuming department I feel is like straight up prequel. Like we talked about, I think during the roundtables, all the blue they love blues and greens, especially um, yeah, Miss um, Howard loves loves those colors, and that is, is so prequels to me and then seeing like the mandalorians in season two they're like right out of the prequel so i love this marriage that's coming but yeah i just like i just watched the prequels and i'm like that's what star wars looks like to me now like when i close Mm -hmm. my eyes that's what i see i think i see yeah like like that version of tatooine i see naboo and i see coruscant like that's what star wars is but I'm wondering if that's just like my love for Clone Wars, like years later. Well, I I had that thought too, like during the the ending, the battle, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like they're in the palace and there's all these columns and there's like legit like Greek statues, mm-hmm. like, and everything is so sort of like neoclassical, and then you know, Maul opens the door and it's like lasers everywhere and lit floors and like it's so futuristic and slick and that and like there's some shots where there's literally like stone columns in the foreground and in the background is like the you know the reactor room or the power room or whatever that thing I don't know I'm I'm, I'm a bad fan I meant to look it up what exactly that place is no, but I'm with you. That is so Star Wars. It's like it feels very real, but then there's just an an addition of something that puts it in a galaxy far, far away. And it's it is like it is perfect. It is perfect. It's it's like we were talking about when we watched A New Hope. I think part so much of Star Wars is just right comes boils down to Amperu and Uncle Owen in the kitchen. Like that is just it's just such a natural part of life. And I was watching the food. It's like, my God, there's a lot of eating. Star Wars. I feel like that was brought up somewhere. Well, and it fits fits also like with the themes of different world, like worlds that you separate colliding, right? Mm -hmm. It's like because you have these Jedi Knights that are servants of the Republic, but then Shmi is telling them like there is no 
There is no nope. Republic here, you nope. know? So you have these worlds kind of like colliding or like even just the encounters with Maul. It's like, you know, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, uh, sorry, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon have been like off in their own little world. Yep. And, you know, this Sith apprentice has been rising and like nobody knows where he came from or who he, who he Qui-Gon is. Qui-Gon didn't even know what he was. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it was. Yeah. 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 Straight up. You know, I think about that line like, that... Sh- that Shmi yeah. says, or that that Shmi says about there is no republic out here, and what that meant to Padme. Because then thinking about Padme during the Clone Wars and how she is always out searching for the people that aren't being represented. Like when she let when she stopped being a queen, her purpose of a senator. We have that deleted scene in Attack of the Clones where she's talking about the kids in the school. Like I wonder how much that line of what Shmi said and that experience of going to see slaves and this little kid that she fell in love with at some point in time like you know what i mean um what that did to her is really really interesting well i mean it obviously made a huge impression because from Mm -hmm. the very beginning like when she's talking when she insults anakin and he claps back and she said she says something to the effect of like i'm sorry like i've this isn't my world like yeah this is all new to me or something yep yeah yep uh, Hope brought up something in here. I love it. So this will be... Uh, where did it go? Hope, where did it go? Uh, I can't find... Here we go. Uh, Pink Milk, what was it like as an OT fan growing up and seeing the Jedi Council for the first time? Was it what everyone expected, or was it different? Mark, let's start with you. So, I mean, that was something that I... It was new. You know, you get to see this and you get to see their machinations, so to speak, you know, how they Mm -hmm. run things and everything. And I might have been a little more enamored of it back then. But now when I see it, I see nothing but a room full of arrogant men making decisions for other people. And Mm -hmm. and 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 and, and, yeah, too. Um, And it, it makes me so mad. It absolutely irritates me when I see those scenes now. And I'm just like, you know, it's like you're 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 basically making this all happen. You think you're so smart and you think you're making all these decisions and you're, you know, what's right. Nobody else does. And guess what? It's about to come back and bite you in the behind. So it's super frustrating. Yeah. Ben, how about you? Because you did grow up with them first on VHS. So you were very familiar with all this stuff before you saw Mm -hmm. the Jedi council and you're younger. So it's cool. At first when you see it, like, cause you know, the kid, it seemed like this really kind of amazing thing. Like, look, there's so many Jedi. They're mm-hmm. so important. It feels a little bit like church, and that makes me mildly uncomfortable. <laughs> but there's aliens, and aliens are cool. So that's that's pretty cool. Was that a Lady Yoda? Uh, why is that dude's face a Q-tip? So you kind of ignore like the the actual storyline, and then you get older, and you're like, okay, cool. So now they have to go talk to the administrative staff of Wikipedia. Like, yeah. why are they stuck in the room? Like. Mm-hmm. Leave these people alone. We don't want to talk to them. Uh, still, those scenes are, they are great. Uh, just to go back a little bit, because I want to make sure I say it before the ADHD takes it from me. Yeah. Is, there's plenty about this movie that you can talk about as far as actual filmmaking goes, like with the story structure and the acting and the dialogue, but you cannot fault the production design because this movie is so mm-hmm. lovingly crafted. Of all of the prequels, this is the one that feels like it has the most heart in it. As far as everybody there is so clearly in love with their job and trying mm-hmm. so hard to make the most beautiful Star Wars movie they can. So if I when I recently did a rewatch, I didn't do it this week. I didn't have time, but it was about a month ago. Uh, 
And you're watching it thinking like, okay, well, the, the story is not any tighter than I remember it being. Um, but <laughs> things are really pretty. Like it is so yes. lovingly handcrafted. There's still just a touch of practical effects. And that's a huge thing for me. Star Wars needs to have that feeling of some practicality to it. It hasn't got as sanitized as like the yeah. next film that we're not talking about tonight comes along the ways. And then it's just completely pure. Uh, not That's not the word I'm looking for. Come on, caffeine. You can help me out. Just completely <laughs> sterile. There's the word. Yeah. After this, it does start to get really sterile for the next two films, even though one of them kind of like fixes that production-wise. What? But yeah. this movie is gorgeous to look at. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is so beautiful. That opening shot of the Trade Federation ship is just... It's mm -hmm. I love it. <clears throat> Emma, what about you? With seeing the Jedi Council? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had virtually the exact same experience as Ben. Like, the very first time I saw it as a 19-year-old, I was like, oh, this is so cool, seeing all these powerful beings. And then on rewatches, as I became more mature, I was like, why are they harshing Qui-Gon's buzz? Like, mm -hmm. what's mm -hmm. up? Yep. <laughs> and then finally, when I watched it tonight, I literally yelled at them that they were dicks. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all in agreement. <laughs> it's the truth. You know, <laughs> it took me a hot minute. It took me a hot minute because I was anticipating oh, more of what we got in the Tardinovsky Clone Wars. I was expecting Jedi on horseback, basically taking out TIE fighters and ships. Like I, I was not expecting them to fly around in spaceships. I'm not sure why. Of course they are. That's the galaxy they're in. But like, I was expecting like these hippies who were like, like really like chill. And we didn't. And like, I, I don't know how much I've ever liked the Jedi because I think back to the line more than anything of here they are with little Anakin and you know you're missing your mother and he's like mm -hmm. and they're like this like he shouldn't be and it just rubbed me the wrong way back then so much that I was like what the F is yeah, and I'm not yeah. sure I was an intelligent enough human being at that point in time to like really put the pieces all together but I was like there's something wrong and to this day i really think that's a lie a lot of what people don't like about this movie like at, at the emotional core and let you know a lot of straight himbo dudes watch star wars and so they can't talk about their feelings like i think the jedi were so far from what everyone expected that it ruined the movie for a lot of people and the whole point of the prequel trilogy was that you know there are heroes on both sides, as it says at the beginning of uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. And I also think there are villains on both sides was the, you know, the other side to that coin and the Jedi mm -hmm. or, you know, Yoda too. Yoda's a dick in this movie. He's a dick. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and this is Yoda. We love Yoda. Mm -hmm. but, Usually. You know, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, the one great thing about Yoda, you know, and you mentioned a few live streams ago that we've learned from this, this franchise that people can't apologize for the things they did <laughs> and yoda kind of does like he doesn't Everybody really apologizes and no one learns from the past yeah <laughs> yoda kind of does like he's not going to say it out loud but his actions kind of speak it he's like you know the dad that never gave you and i love you but you kind of know he loved you anyways you know he's kind of like that um i want to jump forward to Shmi Skywalker, because she does yeah. not get talked about enough other than when we talk about how she, you know, 
Did she ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? It was just enough for a nice person. <laughs> it's it hilarious. But <laughs> I, I, I texted my friends Mark and Emma today when I was watching the end because I was like sobbing, 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 sobbing in bed. And that line, you know, when a whole Qui Gon's like, you know, by the way, I didn't come to free slaves. Like, just like such a, he was so like, it just really irritated me. And I'm like, you're only being nice to Anakin. And of course, because you're a Jedi, you can get something from him. Like anyone else that you can't get something from or they're not a Jedi, like you're going to be a dick to. But him, he's better than everybody else. He might be a slave and he might be a kid, but look at his midichlorian count. He's got it. So therefore, he is somehow to be treated differently. And it just annoyed the heck out of me today. I don't know if I've ever really seen Qui-Gon that way, but today that was 100% how I saw him. So... You know, we get the, the great pottery scene. What do we want to say about it? It's great looking, right? <laughs> There's way too much conversation about a pottery scene. It's cool. I it's... fast forwarded through it, and <laughs> three of the stills were of Padme and Shmi looking at a tablet. So, <laughs> yeah. this and Padme looking interested in the tablet, and yeah. Padme going, Why is there? A, I'm just staring at a green screen. I don't know. What am I supposed <laughs> to be looking at? <laughs> And someone leaned forward and said, you Stuart. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And, she never, and she never did. Um, <laughs> Shout out to so the design nice. of the actual pod racers, by the way, because oh, yeah. if you grew up with the Nintendo 64 Star Wars Episode 1 racer, like you know oh, all of those yeah. racers inside and out. I'm a Team Topegalese kid myself and always will be. Like Those, those are such fun character designs for a scene that goes... Way longer than it should. It's a long tech demo. It's a really long yeah. tech demo. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they extend the pod racing scene once it got to video? Mm-hmm. Or and even then, I don't even maybe in the cinematic version, but I know on video for sure mm-hmm. it became a longer segment, right? Yeah. When um, it got to DVD, yeah. they extended it. Okay, so there left. we go. And <laughs> yes, the other thing I was going to say is that. Honestly, I don't understand how this never came to pass, because if they wanted to make a kid's cartoon based around this particular movie, they should have made a wacky racist type <laughs> cartoon for the pod racers, dude. People would have ate it up. Are you kidding me? So, it's like, <laughs> so, I don't know if anybody is familiar. There is a lost game that nobody wants to talk about called Star Wars Bombad Racing, which oh, is basically right. wacky oh racers. Yes. It's not right. Mario Kart. It doesn't work. Everyone yeah. looks hideous. They really thought that was going to take off. It is not playable. I remember that. Oh my God. I, yes, it is forgettable because I haven't thought about that in forever. Yeah, I forgot all about um, that. Yeah, so, but we're, you know, Qui-Gon's decided that Anakin's worth saving. So he strikes up a deal and frees him, right? And then doesn't even tell anybody. And then, by the way, go pack your bags because, Mom, I'm taking them. So there's something really interesting here. Tim have a choice. Mm-hmm. What's that? Qui-Gon lets Anakin have a choice. Well, kind of. Shmi does. Shmi's the one who's like, you know, this path uh, has put... Well, the- no, but Qui-Gon ha- init- is the- initiates that conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess and so. to be fair, I feel like there, it's subtextual with conversations with Shmi and Qui-Gon that both Pernilla August and Liam Neeson are really strong actors and they do really yeah. well together in those scenes. Yes. Uh, I think that they have a really good chemistry myself. Uh, some people ship them. That's not necessarily my my take on it. I always think it's yeah. a, a well-intended asexual person and his really nice single mom friend. 
um, and that they just get along on a really good basis. And it, yep. to me, at least, rewatching it, it seemed like it was subtextual that there was kind of the ask of like, if you can take him away from here, please do so. And she knew that there was no way she was getting off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, yeah, no, I... I... I get like I I watch it now, right? So like the huts own this planet. Yes, that is textual. One yes. Jedi Knight is not gonna break the huts' hold on Tatooine and free all the slaves. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. And and I don't like I understand what he was saying. It was just the way he said it. You know, it was just. <laughs> but what I like, I feel like. There's a lot of slack given to Anakin the way he behaves. Now that I'm a parent to children that age, I'm like, okay, this is a pretty darn accurate portrayal of children mm-hmm. this age. Like, it's yeah. really, like, really great. And I think Anakin's fantastic. So he's, you know, freed. And, of course, he's excited. And then I think about Padme, or uh, Shmi. And she, you know, this path was laid down before you. And the courage that she had to have and the selflessness that she had to have to let him go the way in which she did. And she did it with kindness. And as he's sad that she's not coming, when he puts that together, because, of course, he just assumes that she's going to go. He's excited to go hop on a spaceship and go visit all the stars that he was just talking about. And then, like, reality comes in. He's not going to see his mom. And she's just like, you know, my place is here. And she's just so kind to him that that also doesn't get the credit that it deserves. Fast forward to Return of the Jedi, when he sees his son going down a dark path and he needs his son needs a parent at that moment in time to basically say, I love you. And that's kind of what he does as, as much as he can. And I, I trace that part back of Return of the Jedi to this moment with Shmi at this all life altering moment, life changing moment. She shows him the kindness that she can give and say, this is not about me. This is about you. And fast forward, you know, 20 years later, he's going to do it for his son of like, I'm not going to let you go down this path. This is not about me. And I know you're trying to save me, but this is not about me. And I'm going to save you. And this is how I can do it by giving myself away the same way my mother gave herself away from me. But do you think it's yeah. interesting that Shmi is actually able to demonstrate what the Jedi think that they're doing without yes. attachment? Because clearly she's not distancing herself from her son, but she knows that there is a time to let go for his own mm-hmm. future. Yep. Yep. And yep. she's able to do that without needing the whole Church of Scientology to teach her how to do so. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And this makes me even more angry at the Jedi now. Like I've never been a huge fan of the Jedi ever since be- I became a parent to the children that I became a parent to is I think when my real disdain for the Jedi started coming because of the way they treat children and treat children who were taken away from their parents and children that were, were, were taken somewhere else from homes and now thrusted here and the way they treat them is just despicable as far as I'm concerned. And that scene today brings me back to the hardest day of my entire life. And it is not 100% my story to tell, but I have had to observe that story before in real life. And it's the hardest thing I can imagine. And I have mentioned this so many times on our podcast, but as as a parent 
to children who were born from other parents. It is never my job or it is not my place to ever judge those parents for whatever reasons brought their children to me. Nothing good. As I've always mentioned, nothing good brought my children here, but it is not my place to ever have any sort of feelings about their parents. That is their parents. They will love them forever. And it is my job to love them too. And to be able to look past these things. And the fact that the Jedi, like the next day he's sitting here, like getting interrogated by this room full of people who are all just cold and it's a dark room. There's no warmth there. And he's like, you're missing your mom. It's just like, it makes me so mad. And that mother sacrificed everything for what she thought was a better place for her son. And that's how they treated her or treated him. And I like, that is the part that Shmi never gets the credit for the fact that she was screwed over because I imagine, you know, she, we live in a world where the Jedi are, for a lot of people, respected and looked up to. And it's probably an honor to have your child be a Force-sensitive person and be taken to the Jedi Temple. I would imagine it is like this great honor bestowed upon you or whatever, right? Like this pride. And then to know that that's how they're going to be treated. I mean, Em, you're a mom. Like, can you fucking imagine that, like, that's what happened? And that mother loved her child. Yeah. You know, they may not have had a lot of money, but we can all we all know Anakin never went without anything because she did whatever she could possibly do to give him everything. And she built yeah. him this big, gigantic world that it, they might have been stuck on that rock. But he was going to see more stars at home than he ever would with the with the Jedi. And I'm just like, I get so and it's really, really emotional. Because I have seen what happens and sometimes being a parent in my position, I've, I, I don't know, but I feel sometimes I have to love them even more. Like I have, you know, and the fact that we're two dads, like we have to make up for, there's not a mom in this house. There's not a mom here. And so we have to work extra hard at being, you know, two dads and the best that we can do bringing our boys to be as close to a mom, because there's something that a mom can give a child that a dad can just never give them. And that's just the way it is. And I just like I get I, I'm so upset. I'm just so I'm heartbroken for her and upset. And I'm so glad that she got to see her son as a Jedi. And he came back for her later. We'll talk about that next week. But um, yeah. So, I mean, what are y'all's thoughts? Like, Emma, yeah, I want to go to like you're a mom. Like, yeah. How does that make you feel as a mom? I was so like touched like i actually <laughs> sarah actually came to the living room and she was like are you crying over a movie you've seen 17 times <laughs> yeah. um yeah because honestly the moment when shmi helps anakin to turn around and put his little bag on and she know and like and she's all she's told him not to look back so she knows this is like this is it this is the end this is the end of their relationship for the foreseeable future. And she lets him go. Because she has faith that this is what's best for him. And, and it's like, that's what being, but like, that's what being a mom is. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. it's like, no matter what you have to do, no matter what you have to sacrifice, like, like in order to help my son be the best version of himself that he could be and to achieve everything that I know he's capable of, I would do literally anything 
Nope. Anything. Like, I would, I would, like, if someone told me, like, you have to, like, destroy yourself and exist, like, send yourself beyond space and time so that you will never exist in any form in this level of consciousness ever again, mm-hmm. I would do it. Yep. Hundred. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, nothing that you wouldn't do for your child. And, like, the, the just, I feel like that level of sacrifice, like, I feel like Shmi's sacrifice is portrayed with sensitivity and depth. And, like, it's just really, really well done in the story. Yeah, that moment is beautiful. Like, it's beautiful. And clearly, we knew, we know George's story, too. Like, he understands something, too, you know, that, that, other parents don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Luke is, I'm a child of adoption. Brian is right about the family structure of the Star Wars and the idea of a chosen family. Like, I've had conversations. I know it's just so, it's just like, <sighs> all right, that was a downer of a moment. I'm sorry. Oh, Joey. <sighs> uh, they do the same thing with Grogu. He's being hunted. Joey, go find our live stream from the day from chapter 16 of The Mandalorian if you haven't watched it. When we're done with this, if you don't, if you're not sick of seeing our faces, then go watch that live stream because. Although I do have one thing to say about the way that Qui-Gon talks to Shmi, because mm-hmm. during my rewatch, I feel like he is addressing her as an equal. Mm-hmm. Like, I Absolutely. feel like it comes across as him being perfunctory, okay. but what it really is, is that they have a shorthand because he knows that they understand each other. Mm-hmm. And so he's not like doing a bunch of exposition and talking down to her because, you know, he comes from this much larger world than she does, you know, and he's a lot higher up in the social hierarchy. He's not doing any of that. He's like meeting her. Like he, he has faith that he doesn't have to explain all of this stuff to her yeah, because she can understand it already because he sees like her intelligence and her, um, her worldliness and her like the fact that she understands how things work and she doesn't need to have everything explained to her. And I think they've got yeah. some similarities in that they are two people who are trying to do they bet, excuse me, the best that they can inside of a structure that's more powerful than either one of them. Yes. It's holding them back. Yes. Uh, that they're people who are both empathetic, but that empathy can only get them so far in life. So like Shmi understands that she can't do things as a slave and she knows that the reason Qui-Gon can't do things is because he's a Jedi. And in a lot of ways, they're the same. Yeah, they're both indentured. Well. Like, they're mm-hmm. both servants to, like, an, a, some, oh. to something else, right? Yeah. Oh, my and, God, this and, is why and I love also, this show. Like, but also, they both have this really spiritual sensibility. Mm-hmm. Like, they both have this... These, they're very. It's very easy for them to grasp these concepts of like fate, and you know, like there being a greater purpose, and seeing the big picture. You know, because there's there's like people who have smaller minds, and then there's people with minds that are more expansive, right? And often, if you're that type of person, you recognize it when you see it in someone else. Mm-hmm. I think so. Thank you. I love this. I love this little show. Like here we are. Like <laughs> I spend an afternoon being irritated and annoyed, and probably many years being annoyed because 
like Qui-Gon's probably one of the best of the Jedi, if not the best Jedi. He is the best Jedi that we see. And I was still so mad at him today, but I love this. Like, I'm like, I need to go rewatch those scenes now. Like, I think when we're done here, I'm going to rewatch those scenes. It's worth doing. Trust me. In a movie that's got some iffy acting, like, that's (laughs) there's some really strong stuff. And I want to point out something because Sleeping Kitten got to it in the chat before I had a chance to mention it, right? So Carrie Fisher did uncredited script doctoring for this film. I have always said I strongly believe, even though I do not have any proof of it, that she touched up all the Shmi scenes because famously she came in to fix female characters anyways, right? Shmi doesn't talk like every other character in this movie. Nope. Mm -hmm. She talks like a mom. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's something that I know George gets slammed all the time for his directing style. I think George hires really, really talented actors and lets them do their own thing. I don't think George has a lot of opinions on how to behave. I think he has very strong things of you stand here and you stand here because this is going to look like an amazing shot because no one can tell a visual story anywhere near the level of George Lucas. Like, I don't care what anybody says. We can all make fun of him for these basic shots or whatever, but there's nothing more iconic than a fucking Star Wars movie written and directed by George Lucas. So take it. But I think what George does is I think he really trusts his actors. That's my belief. And he like, we, we got, we struck gold with, with, our original trio. And I mean, look, look, we can all kind of tease Padme during some of this movie. Like this is some hard acting. Like none of this had been done before. Like this whole idea of acting against nothing. People are more used to it now. And now technology has advanced so much that we can get all the CG work, but also have a person there. But these people were on like building this whole new wave of making film. But look at, look at, look at Natalie Portman now. Like no one's going to tell anyone that that girl doesn't know how to act. She's amazing. So like George Lucas knows how to find people, you know? Um, I just think, I think, yeah, that's my, that's my opinion on George Lucas. But I mean, we love uncle George. I think if he had had his original way and was able to work as a producer on the prequels, Mm -hmm. things may have gone a little bit better because he didn't want to direct these famously. Nope. He tried to get Steven to, or excuse me, Steven Spielberg to direct Phantom Menace and wasn't able to, because he's a member of the director's guild. George famously isn't. It's a whole thing, right? Mm. Uh, Ron Howard was up there too. Mm-hmm. Like Which, to, in order to do these, you would have had to have left the Directors Guild to direct yeah. a Star Wars, and I don't think a lot of people wanted to make that risk, and rightly so. I mean, don't yeah. don't throw your job online for one movie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, what do you all think is the <laughs> legacy of this movie? Is does this movie have a legacy? In y'all's opinion, all Star Wars movies have a legacy. Uh, this does because even though, like I've said before, even if a Star Wars isn't necessarily your favorite or it isn't the strongest, it because of the way Star Wars is set up, it opens so much room for storytelling. So without the prequels, we wouldn't have Clone Wars. Uh, without the Phantom Menace, we wouldn't have had like beautiful books by E.K. Johnston about Padme and mm-hmm. people who have gone through uh, and written Qui Gon as a much more interesting, fleshed out character. If you put the blocks down in star Wars. Luckily someone will come along and do something with them. So that part is fun. You give new toys for other people to play with. A hundred. Yeah, no, I, yep. Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie in the prequel trilogy, I believe is a masterclass in world building, like in giving you just enough to build this world so much bigger than what you're looking at. Star Wars never felt bigger than before episode one came out. Like it just expanded what Star Wars could be. 
like beyond <clears throat> anything. Maybe, maybe that's part of the thing that people didn't like so much. I don't know. It didn't feel quite as grounded as the original trilogy did in some ways. Mm-hmm. I argue it still does in a lot of ways, but it's definitely, it's definitely bigger. And by the time this movie came out, effects were, you know, it just was bigger. It was just like, I think in the 80s, the original Star Wars movies were really big and bold too, but we all kind of forgot that because those people that were in love with them were kids back then. And so you don't notice things like special effects. And I feel these movies, you know, that was more marketing. Star Wars has interesting things with marketing. We have Solo that marketing ruined Solo. I think marketing ruined this movie for a lot of people because marketing was pushing too much on special effects and digital effects in particular. Um, but Mark, what about you? Is there a legacy that this movie leaves behind for you? I, I, I just have to say like, what just the, the, those building blocks, like men would say building blocks that it set down everything that came after this. I mean, literally you can say all you want to about this film. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you were able to pick so much out from this and continue building and building, building to this day, it's still getting built on. Right. You know, just like the original trilogy. It's mm-hmm. so you can you continue building off of that. I think Hope mentioned also that the handmaidens is an important thing that came mm-hmm. out from this film. People love those characters. You know, I mean, it's just like there's whole fanfics around those different characters and what they do, you know, and it'd been expanded upon by, is it, was it EK Johnson that did the the books? Yes. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad I remembered her name. (laughs) You know, I mean, just, just that, just everything, the floodgates it opened. I mean, it's got, you gotta be thankful for any one of these films that even if you don't like it, the possibilities it always opens up is just, it keeps on giving, keeps on giving, and it's going to keep on giving long before, long after we're gone. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I love that, and each movie does that in its own way, you know, yep. uh, for better or for worse. But you know, it just I I love that. I love that we're look at all these years later, we're still talking about it. And by the way, I will add that I sent you guys that picture the other day where somebody said that we're on this end of like where Phantom Menace oh, is. Yep. There's as much space between the Phantom Menace and like when it first opened up to when like when uh, the original Star Wars film uh, A New Hope came out and Phantom Menace hit. And that's just so weird to me. (laughs) I can't believe that. That's crazy. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. It it has been around like we, we I think we talked about this when we were talking about the special editions, like the special editions have been Star Wars longer than Star Wars was Star Wars before the special edition. It's true. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they have a longer life of being the definitive Star Wars than mm-hmm. the original stars, which is just, that is so crazy to me. Em, how about you? Is there a legacy that this film left for you? Well, I mean, it's always going to be an important part of the Star Wars story. Like rewatching it, having seen everything else, so many things have a huge impact you know like i mean i fast forwarded large sections of this film <laughs> <laughs> but emma never- you love the battle of naboo don't you <laughs> ben it's just a distraction it sure was a distraction <laughs> it's just a distraction it's not really a battle <sighs> 
so, did, yeah. did you all fast forward through that line? That was very funny, people. Why were there no laughs? It's a Padme tells Onaka. It's just a distraction. Where's Keith? Keith always gets my humor and my and my musical references. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but you know, like watching um watching Anakin give the charm to Padme and then remembering how she was entombed with it. Like Yes. Oh. <laughs> Did you see the look she gives Anik when they're leaving? I'm like, oh, this girl is thirsty already. He's little, but she turned around. She's like, I hope I see you again. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> That's so a take. That's a take. <laughs> I don't write it. I just see it. That's all. Like, I, okay. Uh huh. Do you need, here, wait. Do you need some of these? Would this help out, dear? <laughs> I have them in my eyeballs. Maybe it's also because my son is quickly entering, like, having crushes on people, but not uh-huh. having crushes on people. And I feel like Padme's at that age of having crushes on people, but not having crushes on people. And Anakin's at the right exact age of going, wait, maybe there's something more to this friendship than I thought. This feels different <laughs> than my other friends, but they're not. They don't know what it is yet, but there's something. Speaking of his friends, can we talk about that horrible little oh. joke? I just want to punch him every time. Who? <laughs> Wait, who? It's the little, the little jink, the little ginger kid who tells oh, God. Anakin that he's going to be bugged in school. I want to snatch up his scarf and beat him with it. Yeah. Like, who oh. is this little <gasps> abomination? I know, I know right? Hey, Come everyone. Keith got my joke. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> I also hope you're eating cinnamon buns. I hope there's still some cinnamon buns left. No one's going to get that unless they saw his Twitter. Um, <laughs> and then I, yeah. Um, God, sorry, I'm having flashbacks have... of those kids now. It's just it's all coming to me. Uh, yeah, Anakin you... did not seem to have a very loyal friend group. They all seemed like bullies. Yeah, I mean, because, <laughs> because Anakin's better at everything than anybody else, so of course he's not going to be popular because Anakin probably makes everything look easy. And so, and he's like that kid who's not rubbing it in anyone's face because I don't. Yeah. Anakin's, Anakin's a really like good that, kid. Yeah. Yeah. But that makes it worse. So it makes it yes. worse when they're actually nice. Yes, that's that's my take. Anyways, what were you gonna say, Ben? Oh, I was just gonna say that he's plagued by the six to twelve kids who just walk around attempting to <laughs> mime at pre-can child laughter, which like that's what we left in. It's just these poor kids going. <laughs> it's awful. God, yes. oh, glad they cut the scene oh. where it beats up little baby Greedo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on this, we're gonna jump on this, Ben. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna start with you. What is oh, this we film's go. biggest weakness? Oh, well, it's like a buffet. What do I choose first? <laughs> um, well, okay. Let's try to let's try to be fair, right? So we love Uncle George, and obviously he had a lot of kind of like pressure put on him, and he had a lot of heart and soul that he put into this movie. And especially if you watch the beginning documentary, which I know we've talked about before, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. You can watch a man watch in real time as he realizes the thing is just not what he wanted it to be. And there's nothing he can do about it now. Like it, I'm so glad they left it in. If that had happened now, Disney would have cut it. There's no way they would let a director look straight at the screen and go, okay, well, uh, we may have <laughs> gone too far in some places. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. So uh, I think it could have used... Larry Kasdan, and if Larry didn't want to cut, it needed a screenwriting 
partner <clears throat> so desperately. It needed another hand because George wrote the original Star Wars and then that was it. Yep. Uh, hey, Lauren. <laughs> but it, it could have been greatly, greatly improved by having just another hand come in and then just make notes. Because there is a story in there is the thing that's so frustrating about Phantom Menace in particular for me, right? It has the bones of a much better movie than what we got. And that happens in movies. Hundreds yeah. of people put their hearts and soul into something that doesn't always work. And this is kind of that for me. Like There are choices that if somebody could have sat him down and said, here's the thing. I don't think this is working. Why is the pod race scene 45 minutes long? Yep. Does it add to the movie? Uh, what is Jar Jar doing? Like, can we maybe move away from the racially insensitive accents that we're giving three different alien species? Like, what's yeah. going on here, George? But it seems like everyone just let him do. It's his own money, and everyone was just excited to do a Star Wars, and nobody asked questions. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that for sure. Emma, how about you? What yeah, do you think I... is the weakest? Yeah, the story... This like the screenplay. It just it sh- it should have been different. Like different things should have been emphasized, and other things should have been toned way, 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 way down. Mark, you're not in your head. Are you in agreement? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, going off of what Ben said, I think the things that bug me the most, like I love what they were wanted to do with Jar Jar. Ahmed Best is awesome. I we love like, Ahmed. The, the the man. Uh, and what he brought to that type of acting and where it's gone from there. I mean, he didn't get the credit that he deserved. You saw everything that happened to him. I mean, he didn't deserve any of that, but it's just the way the character was created. The the Nimodians as well, too. I mean, those, those accents, it's, it's pretty cringy and pretty Mm -hmm. racist. You know, it's like, I was like, Oh, this is hard to get through. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from the fact that I know how much hard work went into what he did for that character. Right. And then I think about the Gungans in general. I think that, you know, there's this culture there. It's beautiful. They went through all this trouble to make this world underwater and then show them how they're heading into battle. And I'm like, if you would have just changed the accents up a little bit and made them a little more, I don't know, yeah. for lack of a better word, to play the straight man, so to speak, to be just to be a more, um, I don't know, have them be more presented maturely. Let's put it uh-huh. that way. Or capable. Capable. There you go. Yeah. Because you saw that they had technology. They knew what they were doing. They were fully aware that the folks up above on the surface thought of them differently and thought down and looked down upon them. I mean, this is something that's brought up in the movie mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, that's cool. I love how this oh, happens yeah. and how Boss Nass is actually happy to see uh, Amidala present herself so humbly before him. And it's when it finally all comes together that they can fight together and fight yeah. for their planet, right? Mm-hmm. But I, they're just it's just needed to have more of that because it's like, I look at them and I'm like, you know, they're actually pretty cool looking. Look at everything they have you know like their shields they have like you know equipment on these they're those huge creatures with names i've forgotten yeah and the cool like electro balls take down there's just so much there like wow yeah it's nothing more frustrating for me and i've seen this in many movies that i wanted to love that it only gets up to a certain point and then i was like i wanted to love it more it just didn't get there for me you know and this has that but I mean, that being said, there are elements of this movie that I absolutely love. We're, we're, I'm sure we're all getting to one of the better parts that we yep. love, right? Yep. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I I wanted them to play the the Gungans more straight. Let's just put it that way. And this is hard for me to see on a queer podcast, okay, guys? So we <laughs> <laughs> wanted them to move more uh, gaily forward. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I, Mark, I think one of the one of the most I think one of the most harmful actually like to talk about the way that the Gungans are portrayed. I think actually the scene that you just talked about, Mark, where Padme kneels to them, it actually, Mm -hmm. if you have a really uncharitable interpretation or reading, it actually makes it look worse because it looks like appeasement. Mm. You know, it it doesn't, that scene doesn't carry itself off as like a a righteous, like the rightful thing to do, which it is because like they're sharing a planet and they're dependent on each other. But like, And they should, you know, they should be making common cause. It just looks like, oh, like I'm gonna play along with you, and I'm gonna like, you know, yeah. appease yeah. your flattery in order to get what I want. And I know that that I know that that wasn't the intention, yeah. but I think yeah. for people who are more casual viewers, I think that's part of the. It's one of those scenes that is really easily twisted if you already have a certain worldview to justify, like, you know. Um, yeah you know, more uh, odious views. Let's put it that way. Well, especially when she says it's just a distraction. So she's going to use all these people, let them risk their lives so she can get into the throne room. <laughs> so and she George can go crawl up a, some lines. Is an anthropologist and a history lover. So the, the Gungans are clearly the natives of Naboo. And then all of the humans are an invasive species. There's, yep. there's something that could have been done with that. And it's like it's hinted at, right? Because we see that the Gungans are actually on the surface and they're part of the big celebration in Theed. But then we never hear anything else about it. We don't know if they were allowed to start entering into public life and then start to have roles in government and actually representation. Like we see Jar Jar. So, like, that might supposed to be good, but you know, there are better people to choose. Yeah. I think, I think for me, and I've gone back and forth on this a lot about. So I want to ask y'all, would it have been more successful if Anakin was older? Like, I have often thought this film would be very different if Anakin was closer to Padme's age. He was 15, Mm -hmm. 16, closer to Luke's age, because it actually, when you would watch it in chronological order, to see someone more similar to Luke, like, he still could have been the lighthearted, like, yippee kind of kid. He could have been very much like Luke, maybe less whiny and more excited. But to see him fall in re if you were to watch it in chronological order i feel like we would have been luke's fall would have been more like threatening thinking Mm -hmm. well it really did happen to his dad and they had a very similar story and it would have made the love interest work a lot earlier as opposed to you know act three of the second movie um and that's always been my thing of was that like Kind of where it went wrong the most. Yeah. And I love young Anakin. Like, I, I mean, I love this movie very, very much. But I do <laughs> think that, like, maybe it would have worked better if he was older. And hearing yeah. and hearing someone say. Actually, I used to feel this. Way. I'm feeling it's interesting now. Like, I used to get really upset when you like he's too old to be in the training. I'm like, he's 10. Mm-hmm. And that's also part of the Jedi's problem, too. Like. But I hear it I, when, when we were adopting children. You would hear people say, one, you're over four. The chances of getting adopted go way down. 
because you were too old and we all know the labels that are put on foster kids and it's wrong on every level or like if you're older than that like their life is over and like this little human being is 10 they have an entire life ahead of, what do you mean it's over and i feel that that is more reason as i've gotten older of my disdain for the, <laughs> for the jedi because it's that like like you're only worthy if we find you when you're young and then you've been too tainted by other people yeah and you can't be anything anymore it's just messed up Brian, I was going to add to that. I get why he would have made Anakin so young because his kids are that young. Mm -hmm. So it's like it was a present to them. So I get it. His heart was in the right place. But also going by that way of thinking, if he had made him a little older, not as old as he is in Attack of the Clones, but enough of a teenager to where he's a little more rebellious. And then you got this Anakin that would have been the hot rod racer, just like George was Mm -hmm. when he was younger. And it would have been a nice parallel to his own life. Right. And on top of that, if I'm going to keep writing this this fanfic here, um, with Shmi, if the Jedi would have been as interested in her, it's like, how did this virgins happen? We need to study her as well. They end up going to get her. Mm. They bring her back. But, you know, it's for their own purposes. So in the yeah. end, even though they think, oh, they're cool, they, they saved my mom. But in the end, they have their own purposes behind it. And she could have still been manipulated or have her fate manipulated yeah. by Palpatine. So, I mean, all these little things could have still worked right within this world. But I get it. We got the Anakin that we got. And it was great to see him as a little kid. You know, I mean, that's 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 awesome. But yeah, I I always thought that same thing, too. I would love to have seen him just a little bit older. I think that would have worked a little better. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. Like hopes in there. I'm glad, you know, she's happy we got a kid. Like I'm there is, and like my kids really related to Luke to, or to Anakin, you know. But then I think about I was four and Anakin and Luke Skywalker was eighteen. I didn't need him to be ten. I, Luke was Luke was a little kid in a lot of ways, the way that character was portrayed and written. So more positive. What are M, what is your favorite part of this movie? My favorite part of this movie. Um, you know what? It is at the very end. When uh, Padme gives the globe to Boss Nass. Mm-hmm. And he says, peace. Like, announces peace yep. on Naboo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was when I felt something. That's That's... Yeah, it's it's a great scene. And then knowing that it was Palpatine's music, but like happy version is just so Yeah, so good. it's yeah. So good. Ben, how about you? What is your favorite part of this movie? So Emma took my answer, but that's perfectly fine. Because uh, <laughs> I am more than happy to fall back on the, the Shmi and Qui-Gon scenes. I think that yeah. the conversations with them are my favorite part of the movie because it's the best acted in the whole film. Yep. I already said it, but it's the truth. I can't think yep. of an, another... Version that of that was better. my second place choice, so you and I um, are on the same page. And then if I was, if I was going to take the answer, on the same page, <laughs> sometimes, not always. Sometimes I get in trouble on Twitter. And I get threatened. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was going to get a little more metaphysical with my answer, as far as like what my favorite part of this movie is, it is the production design. It's the work of Doug Chang and Ian McKaig in particular. Uh, the the costuming, the designs on all of Padme's outfits, even though to be fair, there is a conversation that could be had about cultural appropriation and those are so heavily like pulled from that, that it's an interesting conversation. I don't think it necessarily is trying to take credit for it. It's definitely inspired. And then yeah. Doug Chang is there and he's of Asian descent, but Ian McKaig actually did the majority of the Padme 
design, so that doesn't yep. necessarily translate over. There's a lot of conversation to be had there, but it is beautiful. There's beautiful, yep. beautiful design work. The N1 Naboo Starfighter is just gorgeous for no reason. Just an Art Deco hairpin because Star Wars. I love that kind of stuff. Yep. I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mark. The lightsaber skills and fights in this. It was, for me, made me feel like a little kid again. Just mm-hmm. seeing the the fighting that I had loved as a little kid taken up to the next level. Um, was it that Nick Gillard who did the training for, for the film? Mm-hmm. I just never expected to see the level of skill that I saw in this film. Mm-hmm. Seeing Darth Maul like, use the force to like throw something against the the wall to like open up the door and then spin the lightsaber. I gasped out loud in the theater and I, I just, I never forgot any of that. I mean, it just, it, it, that what to me, the stuff that I love about star Wars the most is the stuff that fuels my imagination for years to come. And I can't get images and certain things out of my head for a long time. And this lightsaber battle was one of them. It just, yep. it just, it just stayed in my head rent free. It's there. It lives there. <laughs> it has a sweet, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. It's just amazing. What I, what I saw in this film, I absolutely loved, 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 loved it. And yet Ray Park was, you know, an amazing, you know, just his skills, just everything that he yeah. brought to this film. I mean, and then I find Maul more sexier now than I ever have in this film. I don't know what happened <laughs> yep. there. Like, I was watching this, time, I was like, damn. I was like, why didn't I see that before, right? Uh, you see, know? And, I know he's Ray Park and I won't have any part well, to do with that, that anymore. Yeah. But if we look at I him could have back Sam Whitmer then, any other time. Before we knew yeah. any of that grossness, back yeah. then, young Ray Park, who I didn't know anything yeah. about, when I yeah. look at him in that film, he looks really, he looks yeah. beautiful, right? I don't um, know if you're still here, Hannah, but this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just, just having that. And then also, we know Liam Neeson is an expert swordsman as well too because we had seen him do stuff mm-hmm. in uh what was that rob roy as well so mm-hmm. i knew that he yeah. brought that into the film with him and then um i don't know how well um ewan was you know as far as his skills were heading into this movie but i mean him too they all oh. sold it mm-hmm. that that lightsaber battle is the best lightsaber battle as far as i'm concerned and there's been a lot of them i yep. love them all but this one right here I, I, it was jaw dropping. It was amazing. Yep. Yeah, it's still still. Amazing. I loved the things that I saw in that battle. Like <laughs> the the fact that Obi Wan and Qui Gon's styles are so different. Mm-hmm. I love yes. that how they reflect their they reflect. I feel like it reflects their personalities. Yep. Like because Obi Wan's is very quick and snappy and reactive. And Qui-Gon's is much more measured mm-hmm. and like mellow and sort of yep. seated and stable. The other thing yep. that I really liked about that duel is the fact that it is the fact that Maul uses a double-sided lightsaber that leads to Qui-Gon's defeat yep. and Maul's defeat. Mm-hmm. Because yep. when when Obi-Wan forces him to use a single bladed like that's he doesn't know how he meets his downfall yeah you know uh i feel like i'm blanking on his name but from the from high republic the uh the uh uh, the twi'lek the jedi loden great yeah loden great i feel like when i when i read that i feel like he fights like qui-gon i feel Mm -hmm. like they would have a very similar lightsaber Fight yeah. style, um, for sure. And, and I think my thirst for Obi Wan <laughs> really started with this movie. And I have to say, 
at the very beginning of this film, when they're chasing down and heading to uh, the the Trade Federation uh, bridge, and that last uh, battle droid that he takes down, he already chops its head off, and he does this like it is the sexiest. It's like Callus, you know, Callus. Like you just imagine Callus like moving his hair back. <laughs> Chase, we're we're all gonna be, we're we're going to be Callus today. You know, I just you just see imagine Callus like very sexy moving that hair back, and Obi Wan. Chop the battle droid's head off, and then just for good measure and just for thirst, took it and then like backhanded that lightsaber right through his chest. I'm like, oh my god, that is the sexiest thing in the world. I just need you <laughs> to throw me around the room and use your <laughs> lightsaber any way you need to because I'm going to think you're done. Yeah, I'm going to think you're done, and then all of a sudden you're going to give me this other thing real quick, and I'm not going to know it's there, but I'm going to be here for it. And I, I am well now. <laughs> uh, can we thirsty. can we talk about the shot that Hope was pointing out about Qui Gon meditating yes. during the force field? Yep. The, honestly, if you if I close my eyes and I think about Star Wars, like that is one of the, like watching Maul pace back and forth oh. while Qui Gon just kneels. Like it's so good. It's so iconic. Like I feel like that is in my like top five Star Wars games. <laughs> like it yeah. just lives yes. in my head. Yeah. Yep. And then to uh, build off what Emma said, uh, the thing that Brian said earlier that at first I was thinking I don't see any correlation, but everyone's opinion is valid. Of seeing that like the last Jedi felt really prequely to you personally. Okay. That never no connection for me. But then mm-hmm. when I'm thinking about Duel of the Fates and then the throne room battle. Uh, uh-huh. I think that those are two uh-huh. extraordinarily similar scenes and that Star Wars lightsaber duels yep. are at the best when, from a choreography standpoint, they may not be necessarily the tightest fight choreography because, like, there's plenty of reasons why flipping and jumping and spinning your lights, all of this stuff is not necessarily practical. Mm-hmm. It's best when it's this violent ballet in yep. Star Wars where it's just 10 minutes of beautiful music and then you find out everything you need to know about these characters just through this movement. And that's where the, that film absolutely succeeds in that, I would say. <laughs> you know, speaking I, of movement, I also want to go back to Hot Obi-Wan and how I just want him to like throw me around <laughs> and do all these side expected oh, things. And then I also to pick back on M, I also want Maul and it can be, I'm fine. Sam Witwer Maul. I want him hungrily pacing back and forth on the other side of the cage, <laughs> waiting to get in. Because when Obi Wan's done, I will still be fine if that like tiger wants to come back in and do whatever it needs uh-huh. to do. Because I feel like it's going to be a very different experience. <laughs> for it. And uh, yeah, and then I'll cuddle with Qui Gon afterwards. I feel like I let Ryan. I feel like I let Ryan get too close to the fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> like I Between Emma and and Calzeb on on that gay Jedi earlier, I'm just like, and it's. I mean, come on, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> that made me remember something. Lord knows, I I've seen about, all of um, you and McGregor many times. I'm sure we all have. We all <laughs> yes. have pillow book. Whether or not um, you want to, like it just she yeah. shows up and is like, just to let you know, you're like, cool, thanks, Ewan. Exactly. Oh no, we're always we always want it. Yes. Always, always. <laughs> and now my son is here, so there'll be no more conversation. No, no, no. Yes. Welcome to Bible study. <laughs> Hi. Okay. <laughs> You can just get your power strip cord. That's fine. Uh, Say hello. 
Your dad was also trying to get power stripped. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> he sure was. Um. No, I I am now lost. That's okay. I I was just gonna say earlier that uh, M, you made me think about one of my favorite memories from this time period. Um, at one point, my brother came over because we we had seen the Phantom Menace. My brother loves Star Wars too, and I had the soundtrack, and we were getting baked in his car. Okay, so <laughs> and we were listening to the soundtrack, and we're listening to you know Anakin's theme, and I love that theme. Wait, that's you're making pot, you're making a cake in a car? Did you have like an easy bake oven? Yes, we were. Oh, okay. Um, and it, it was very easy baked, and it turns into another. <laughs> It was. It was. We're very green. Um, And I remember listening to Anakin's theme and just like how beautiful it sounded, right? Because you go from this very innocent theme into, you know, the Imperial March and the way that just it blends together is beautiful, right? And then we got into the conversation at at some point at that scene that I mentioned. And it's true. It is that encapsulates Jedi Sith and just like seeing him meditating taking the moment in to calm down because that's how you see the Jedi and then the Sith, you know, ready to attack on the other side of this, just, you know, ready to just tear him down. Right. But then we had also talked about the fact that Qui-Gon in that moment, he's trying to center himself for what's ahead. But we also thought to ourselves that he's okay with the fact that he could die Mm -hmm. in this moment in what's up ahead, and he might have seen it in a vision, but he is centering himself because this could be it. And that's something I always think about in that particular moment, because my brother and I just went into, like, detail over it and just discussed it for, like, you know, a good half an hour. (laughs) You know what's crazy, though? I think about what you were just saying, Mark, about the Jedi kneeling, you know, and, and, and meditating and all that, and the Sith sexily going back and forth. (laughs) But then when you think about it, who really was the one meditating and calm the whole time? Palpatine, because the next film and the next two, it's the Jedi are on the offensive the whole time. Like they're hopping in every place. Lightsabers drawn first. And meanwhile, the ultimate Sith was just sitting there doing his needlepoint like that. (laughs) I just feel like, I feel like that is what I feel like yeah. that is what Sidious is just needlepoint in the story of how the Jedi fell and he's got his crochets <laughs> up later and then you know and he's like nope here it is like it's pretty I think that's really really cool and and Palpatine picked the right the right Sith to introduce themselves to the world because he introduced this monster that is just a, a, a wild unbridled beast because to distract them of what the Sith were really doing. So, like, to them, that was who this new Jedi are. This is what the Sith is. They're easy to hunt down. Nope. Actually, we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not. And then you're, my next Sith apprentice is going to be the one that you thought was the best of all of you. Like, he, he was the really calm one who had the beautiful fencing. And he was your he was your perfect pupil. He was the perfect child. And now I'm going to take him next. Like, it's so good. It's so cool. So, I think my favorite part of this movie... Is Pat is Queen Amidala. Like, I love Queen Amidala. She is so good. I think about what a role model for young people to look up to. We've talked about this before too young to be a queen, whatever. Like, I will give you that. She's too young. You say the same things, about us, but... Brian. <laughs> oh, I was a queen early on, girl. Uh, uh, 
But, like, I love how strong she is. And I go back. We were talking about the Gungans earlier. And one of the things that I love the most is I don't think – I think there's a part of me that thinks she knew who Palpatine was very early on in this movie. I think I there's something – like, he comes down. He's been cool this whole time, right? And And we get – we get her to do her vote for of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. And then we, you know, it wins. And then Palpatine comes in and he's like, I will be Chancellor. And she's like, that's fine. I'm going back home. And she throws him off. Like he mm-hmm. thought she he was playing her. And this is like the greatest clap back. And she's like, no, no, Queen. It, it, or whatever, you know, you know, no, if you go, they'll make you sign the treaty. She just turns like, I will sign no treaty, bitch. And then she's like, <laughs> up on her way. Like, it was such, oh, God, it was perfect. Like, I love that clap back. Like, greatest line in the film. Like, hands down, the greatest line. It's so good. But I think she knew in that moment. And Jar Jar comes to her. I think it's like the next scene, mm-hmm. you know, and we get that beautiful shot of her looking out the window. It's just is very sad because I know in a few years I'm going to be looking out a very similar window and knowing everything that's about to happen. Right. Which is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. But and then Jar Jar tells her, you know, we have a really big army. And I think that's why you don't like us is because I know we're stronger than you. And she keeps it to herself. She is not this young girl who gets the spark of hope and like goes to tell all the big boys about what we're going to do because she's like, no, I don't trust any of these people. I just told Qui-Gon, hey, Jedi, like what a ballsy move. You assume too much. Like, I love that. Like, you know, when he's he's like the queen, trust me, you should, too. He's like, "Mm." oh, oh, you think you're all smart? Well, bitch, you don't know who the fuck you're talking to. But because you're too busy not paying attention to the world around you because you found some new little young child to steal away from his parents and give a life of nothingness to anyways uh <laughs> but like okay, but i love that she doesn't to, share that we have to talk about the fact that most of what we see of queen amidala in regalia is actually sabe mm-hmm. right yeah um as hope so you know yep. astutely mentioned um and sabe is also a canonically bisexual character yep Thanks to the novels by E.K. Johnston. Yep. Yeah. Put it on screen. But um, yeah, we appreciate it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We love E.K. Johnston, mm-hmm. though. Like, yeah. Love her, love her, love her. Yep, yep, yep. By the way, I love Joey's comment. It says General Zod loses again. Except this time he doesn't have a crushed hand, though. His hand is not crushed this time. So I guess it's a little bit better for him this time. Yeah. But yes. Or Valor. Yeah. <laughs> but like building on what Brian was said, so much of who Queen Amidala in this movie is like a mixture between Padme and Sabe. And I think that those two young girls, their friendship really gave them the insight that their whole job was to be surrounded by these like older men who had their own goals and asking for everything. Nobody was asking for anything unless they had their own agenda in mind and that they were able to navigate that really well together. So even though, like Padme doesn't know that Palpatine is, you know, a Sith Lord or necessarily, but she doesn't trust him any further than she can throw him. She knows that he can be helpful, but she doesn't necessarily just follow him yep. to a T. And that you see that throughout the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. I think there, I, I'm, I don't know. Did she get played by him to vote for this no confidence or did she just realize that was the distraction she needed? I think she it was, was there the to save her option. planet. Yeah, I think it was the best option for yep. her in that moment. Yeah, yeah. like I think yeah. she knew it wasn't the right call exactly, but mm-hmm. you're right. I think it was the best option, and this is how I'm going to free my people. 
Yeah, well, it's like she was saying, it's like, I, I, that's what I'm saying. So many of these things that I just threw away, I'm like, oh, this is so boring. When I was listening to it now, and when she says, she goes, we're not going to sit here and let you discuss this in a committee while my people die. Mm-hmm. And it, I just, it just rang so true to me this time. There's so mm-hmm. much more weight to these words that I just didn't really pay attention to before. And yep. you see, it's like, she's really, she wants to make things right and quick before things really spiral out of control. And it's true. They're going to, all these bureaucrats and all these politicians are going to end up squabbling and fighting over it. People are going to die. And then finally something will get done. She's not going to wait around for it. She's going to get it done. So, yep. Yeah. I love what Chase says here. I love Sabe as the six year old watching the movies, though. I was very confused as to who, uh, uh, who she was and uh, what she, what was going on. <laughs> I remember we didn't have DVDs. We didn't have all that. I remember going, okay, well, when is it Natalie Portman? And when is it? I don't even think we knew who Kira Knightley was at that point in time, but like, like <laughs> when was it Natalie Portman? When was it the other person? Was it this outfit? And you're like trying to look mm-hmm. at the toys to see if you could figure it out. Like, yeah. I just remember like, and still like, I don't, I, I don't know. They did such an amazing job of finding two people <laughs> who look so much like each other that it is like, Almost impossible to tell who's who underneath the makeup and the headdresses and all that. It's so, it's so cool, like how beautiful it was, but the distraction that it really was, like it's just amazing. And like, yeah, I, I love Queen Amidala, and I and I think it's it's her and Sabe. Like Queen Amidala is not Padme. It is like yes. all of them together. That is what mm-hmm. Queen Amidala is. Now, did Queen Jamila play the same way? I don't know, but that was the way Padme played played the role and i feel like knowing padme throughout the movies and throughout the clone wars she was probably the only one really the only one to play it that way because padme really believed in in people more than you know she believed and that was part of what drew her to anakin was she believed in who he was as a person when sometimes when other people didn't but um yeah so to take us out for the last question, what do we think of this movie? Like, like now we've we've gone back to this a few times of how like everything shifted. Like, where where can the story of Star Wars go? Knowing that this movie exists, like I think about one of the biggest talks that comes up a lot was was Maul killed too early. And how different would it be if Maul had survived? I think he needed to die because Sith uh, Palpatine needed Dooku to play the role that he played. Like mm-hmm. Maul can't play the role of going around like a government official. Like that's just not going to work. And that's what the Sith needed at that point in time, right? But I think killing him off gave rise to Maul that we have now, and like Maul has become this really integral very amazing super layered mm-hmm. character you know we, we we've been talking about this movie building up the world build and we have obi-wan coming out we have these things coming out where would star wars be without this film and where do we think it can go because of the things introduced in this movie if that makes sense emma we're gonna start with you no, I need time to think about okay. it. <laughs> There's a lot to chew on okay. there. Yeah, go, yeah, go no, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Okay. Um, so, I mean, building, I, I we talked about this a little bit earlier. And like Ben and Ian brought up too, it's just like, look, there's so much here. 
that was able to be built on. And even if you go off of its mistakes and say, like, think about the movies now that haven't been as well received, you know, just like how this movie had its problems and people didn't receive it as well. Look, it didn't kill Star Wars. Look at everything that came after it. And that's going to continue happening. We're going to get really good films. We're going to get films that people are like so-so on. We're going to get films that people just don't like. But it doesn't mean it's going to completely fizzle out and die. And even if it Mm -hmm. takes a break, it always comes back and it always comes back stronger. You build upon things that you thought maybe weren't all that great. And it becomes this whole other thing. I mean, I, I love that we have, you can take any one of these films and just keep creating from there. Right. So it's just going to keep on giving, going to keep on giving. There's just no stopping this. We are on this ride and it's going to take us to incredible places. So I, I, I love it. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready to go now because Mark said, so yeah, actually I was thinking this earlier in the evening. I was thinking about how I feel like when the films first, when, when this film first came out, like everyone knows there was a lot of disappointment around it. Now we're seeing a renaissance and there's a lot of younger people that really love the prequel trilogy in a way that it wasn't beloved, like in the first, you know, 10 years after it was released. Um, But I, and I feel like watching it now, I feel like I, I can see the bigger themes a lot better. Like when you're just examining as this one thing it's difficult it doesn't necessarily stand on its own but you know i'm like standing in my kitchen and i'm thinking about like a mother's sacrifice and duty and you know secrets and strategy and and so many things that are really important elements of this plot and I, it feels like something I can really engage with, but I feel like I needed everything else in the Star Wars world in order to see this film in that way and to be able to appreciate it on that level. But yep. yeah, there, there is something there. And yeah, Mark's absolutely right. You know, like Star Wars is just going to keep going. Like the, this world is too big. And also, the themes are so universal. Yep. You know, like, family and loyalty and all of those things, you know, like sacrifice for the greater good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like those, those things will always speak to people. So, you know, even if other aspects of your storytelling are a bit more weak, if you have those elements, if there's something that can really like crack someone open when they're watching it, Mm -hmm. you're always going to have an audience and there's always going to be value in that property. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I feel like that was the biggest thing when 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 we found out Disney had Star Wars and we knew there's gonna be a lot of Star Wars coming out. Like, I had to prepare myself that there was going to be a Star Wars movie probably now that came out that I might not like because there's going to be so many that there's no way they there's no way they can all be like grand masterpieces of sin. It's just not it most likely is not going to happen. And now that has happened <laughs> for me. Like I, you know, we talk about that a lot. And what I'm hoping for is because of what we've learned, what can come out of out of something like Phantom Menace and the fan reaction to that. You know, we have things like the Mandalorian. We have all these other things coming up now, right? 
there is possibility to turn Tross into something that it wasn't before. The people that grew up with Tross that love Tross now, we will grow up and hear their stories. And is it going to help me re-examine that film years from now? I hope so. You know, I hope so. Do I do I have the same level of faith in J.J. Abrams as I do George Lucas that he can think that way? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm hoping like that there there are enough holes. And there are a lot of holes in the Rise of Skywalker, but those holes also leave room for stories to come in and fill them. So we've talked about that a lot recently of how Star Wars can be recontextualized by what comes out before and after it. And I think we've really learned that through the Phantom Menace and through the prequels of what Star Wars can do later. So, Ben, our guest, mm-hmm. take us out on this very question. What do you think the okay. future of Star Wars can come from out of this? So I lucked out getting to go after everybody, and I also <laughs> got uh, robbed by having to go after everybody because everybody in order kept taking a point, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go <laughs> and then by the time we got with Emma, I was like, well, thank God I'm after Emma, but at least I can talk about like how I think this film compares with Rise of Skywalker. And then Brian's like, no, I'm going to take that too. <laughs> so I'm standing here with like, <laughs> hey Ben, just so you know, we really do love you. We may not treat you like it, but we do. <laughs> Oh, so now you're my parents. That's cool. We had this conversation beforehand that we were going to undermine you by the time we got to be your turn at the end here. So, <laughs> okay, well, that worked. Luckily, I can install the show last week. We're not going to do it again. I've got five minutes. So, here we go. So, here's the thing with a Star Wars that doesn't work for you. And I'm going to build off of what everybody has said before me. For example, let's say when Return of the Jedi came out. For everyone in this room, we've said it's our favorite Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. For a lot of fans who were older and were invested in the stories, they were disappointed because from a storytelling standpoint, that film does not necessarily wrap up in a super satisfying way. It makes weird decisions out of left field because George just didn't want to do any more Star Wars. So suddenly Leia's a sister that that was never planned before, and it's just kind of like hand-wavy, there we go. But out of that, we get really beautiful storytelling elements in the sequel trilogy about the twins. And then we've had that built in other mediums. We've had it in comic books. We've had it in novels. With Phantom Menace, it is also, it's it's a wobbly start. And in a lot of ways, the prequels are all kind of wobbly all the way through. But it gave this really fresh ground where we could get Clone Wars and then novels and build off of that in other mediums there's so much storytelling available because you're opening the palette of what star wars can be because every one of these trilogies excuse me just let me knock everything out of the way here um is it's broadening the horizon of storytelling possibilities so with rise of skywalker which even last week i made a very aggressive joke about how much i dislike it which is true but it does what movie of oh god what was it called again (laughs) The the wrong of uh, who knows. Uh, it, I, I don't know her. I forget what it was called because every time I think of it, I see flames, flames at the side of my face. <laughs> but anyways, with that movie that is not you know, it's got some weird stuff. It gave me the idea of like a Jedi training Leia. That's yep. an opportunity for fantastic storytelling. Claudia Gray at me. Please, yeah. I need that novel. Just send it to me. We don't have to share it with anyone. It can be my story. We have get all kinds of new possibilities with, like, what does Ray Skywalker mean to the, the greater implications of the galaxy? There's, there's room there. Um, yep. And I think that Phantom Menace started that in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. that even with George, and 
arguably he didn't necessarily get off to a rolling start with this movie. You can feel that even he was disappointed with it. There is a level of step backness for me in attack of the clones from just a creative standpoint. It feels a little more like a tech demo and a little less emotionally invested just in case this one got tore apart too. And then I think revenge of the Sith is a little bit more in it and it's implicated by the like, like three hour cut that we'll never see. Um, well, <laughs> come on, caffeine. I lost it. There it went. ADHD in practice. Anyways, Phantom of the Flames list. It's going to show. What was I going to say? Anyways, Phantom Menace, it is a movie. And as I get older, I learn to accept the things I cannot change and find fanfic to know the difference. There you go. You know, I think, yeah, yeah, I think there you'd said, touched on something that I, the wobbliness. Mm-hmm. Of, of Star Wars, maybe. I feel for me, Star Wars is just its own thing. Nothing else is like Star Wars. I don't think anything can be like Star Wars. We're gonna have to learn what Star Wars is without George. Like, cause I it will never be the same. Dave Filoni gets us as close as we're gonna get to a George type of Star Wars, but even Dave Filoni cares more about what people think. George Lucas gives a flying F to what people think, and he's going to do his own thing for better or for worse. But that is George. That is in the DNA of who he is. That is in the DNA of what Star Wars is. But I feel like Star Wars has been was so inspired by by the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell that it's almost become its own hero's journey and its Mm -hmm. own. And George Lucas is his own joseph campbell where there are things that are so inherent to star wars which is one of the things in star wars youtube and twitter that drives me up the wall star wars should not and better not ever give us every single darn detail in every single movie all of the time star wars is about putting a helmet on and being able to see ourselves underneath that helmet if you give too much detail you give too much of anything we lose ourselves in it this is that is that is the core of what star wars is it is a personal relationship between the movie and the viewer the creator and the viewer and there's this constant struggle of who it belongs to it has been inherent since the minute that George Lucas started tinkering with things, and it is and it is part of what I think he also enjoys. McClunky, for example, is George's <laughs> final fu to the fans, but it's also playful because George Lucas is an amazing, kind human being who is like really, really wonderful. But like yeah. he's also middle finger up at you at the same time. He's like, get off my lawn. Yeah. But I'm gonna give you some like Halloween candy as you leave. Like, <laughs> like that, that's who George <laughs> is. But like I I just feel like that is an inherent part of Star Wars. That is like, that is just the the frustrating thing for so many, and also the thing that so many flock to. If that makes sense, and I, you know, I think I think that's what this movie proved. Out of all the holes that people saw, the people that complained, look at all the goodies we've all been talking about. The goodies that came out of this film and this film did more for star wars and building blocks for what star wars could ultimately become than anything else before it and anything after it really for me you know maybe the rise of skywalker will be the next one we'll be all like the four of us are going to come back in 10 15 years looking better than we ever did before going oh my god i think the rise of skywalker is my favorite movie when did that happen (laughs) 
Oh no! Absolutely. <laughs> no, no. 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 I'm, I'm trying, trying people. I'm happen. trying. I'm well, trying. I might have dementia by then, so maybe. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm trying. I have All a right. very yeah. specific clause in my living will that if that comes out of my mouth, it's go ahead and take me to Switzerland and put me down. <laughs> That's when we know something's really wrong. Uh-huh. If I ever look over and go, I am so glad that Zori Bliss and Poe had a thing. Like, take me away. Take, drag me away. Kicking and screaming. Oh, the, okay. Thanks. thanks. Well, I, I, I write. Uh, yeah. Okay. I write that whole thing off. I even forget it exists. So, but there we go. Now I'm reminded again. <laughs> Ah, the stupidness of fuck you, JJ Abrams. I gave it to you. <laughs> nope, I'm not gonna do that, but I'm gonna give you something else. Really? Well, fuck you, because you really just spat in the face of your homophobic ass self who tries to pretend like you're some woke motherfucker, but you're really not because you took it away from us. Anyways. Oh my gosh, Brian. <sighs> Damn. <laughs> I mean, it we're just gonna me. let we're gonna let Chris Terrio get out of this conversation unscathed. Well, there's that. Yes. JJ Abrams is the boss. He's the one who the someone one person's gonna I will yes. Pro, yes, yes, yes. Especially okay. when Chris Terry then comes out and says, like, mm. he's trying to act like Justice League 2.0 Snyder Cut is like this great film. It's like, oh, they wrote him. Um, did you see? Because this movie was 17 hours long and there's still mm-hmm. plenty of plot holes. So you, my friend, can't write a movie without plot holes in it. I mean, I saw Batman <laughs> versus Superman. I made myself sit through that whole movie. I, yeah. Okay. Fucking right. Yeah. No. Nope. 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 No. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for everyone in the chat. We appreciate you, Ben. Where can people find you? What have you got going on? Another or two okay. things. Yeah. Let's go our way. So you can find me on Twitter at Ben is the worst. That is the handle. That is the location. Now let's do the plugs and let's see if I can get all the way through them. I've said that before somewhere <laughs> else too. Anyway, we've got two. Fundraisers that we're going to talk about tonight. One of them is a joint fundraiser between the Katana Cats, which is my show, and Sisters with Saber, which is our sister show. We are working with the Loveland Foundation to raise funds for them. They're a nonprofit based in Brooklyn that help provide mental health services to communities of color, specifically black women, both cis and trans, who otherwise may not have access to those extremely important mental health services. We have our GoFundMe, which you can find on my Twitter page. You can find it on the Katana Cast's Twitter page. You can find it on Sisters with Sabres Twitter page. And any of the hosts, you're going to see it floating around. We're almost at $10,000. That is the goal that we have set for ourselves on it. If we do reach that, we've got a couple things. I know that B from Sisters is going to do a drunken history of the Skywalker family. And then I will help her edit that and put it on everybody's streams. Uh, Today, I committed that if we hit 10,000, I will do a definitive ranking of every named Ewok in live action Star Wars, which I will find a way to do. Someone's going to have to teach Internet Grandpa how to edit it, but I'll figure it out. So hit that up. That would mean a lot for us. Also, our good friend Star Wars Explained with Alex and Molly Damon, who also have helped us immensely with our fundraiser, are teaming up with Amphar tomorrow so that they can uh, participate in a huge live stream where they'll be raising money for HIV awareness and prevention. They will be doing a live stream. Oh, God, let me pull up the times. I thought I would remember these things, but here we go. We learn and live. (laughs) Oh, Molly, what was it? Okay, so... It's going to be tomorrow, which is Saturday, April the 10th, mm-hmm. starting at 10 a.m. 
Eastern Standard Time and goes until 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so that'll be their slot. Uh, and the last two hours, they will be sitting around and playing video games with a very kind woman named Katie Sackoff. <gasps> uh, so make sure that you tune in. Tell them that we sent you. Spare a dollar. This is something that's really important so that they can help support AMFAR and support National Youth HIV slash AIDS Awareness Day. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to pass it up now. That was a lot of talking. <laughs> I know. I'm impressed. That's pretty good. Good for you. Mark, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at I am Diablito. And from time to time on Taking a Number Two, which is a bad motivators podcast where we talk about Star Trek with Dallas, Steve, and Catherine Neen. And also, Brian, you're probably going to mention this, but remember to vote for us for those podcast yeah. wars. <laughs> you got to vote for us. Please, 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 please. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I was going to say that, but I really wasn't going to say it. So thank you for that. But I'm going to pretend like I was going to say it. Just in case. I got you. <laughs> Emma, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Foxfler, F-O-X-F-L-E-U-R. Ship who you want. All ships are valid. Your quote made it into our last podcast with my honey, Tommy. So if you've not listened, <laughs> right. the bitch is back. Come yes. join Tom. I haven't finished it yet. I have 28 oh. minutes left. Oh, yeah. It was so, I was like, oh my God, we're kind of out of practice, but I love all of this. This is so great. I love my no. husband is back. It's so and, nice. Having he back. got back on the yeah. bike. Yeah. He did. Oh. Wrote it and you guys were okay. I'm <laughs> I, am, mm-hmm. I got both an Obi-Wan and a mall. <laughs> oh, oh my <laughs> I think there's a cream for that at that point there's like, an Obi-Wan in the streets mall in the sheets is that what it is <laughs> I'm just saying I love it my lips okay. are sealed <laughs> uh, you can find me at B underscore Sips Pink Milk you can follow the show at Sips Pink Milk if you are listening to this now and you're in the chat head down to the comment section let us know if the Phantom Anthem if the Phantom Menace is a yip the f- <laughs> I am on my third truly so I am getting old I am very sorry <laughs> Head down to the comments below and let us know if the Phantom Menace is a yippee or a pee you suck. <laughs> <laughs>